Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Deserto Talk Show. It's season two. I'm the host, Richard Lewis, and I've got a great interview subject for you today. I've had the pleasure of being on his podcast many times. I've known him for a long time, many, many years. Uh, it is the founder, uh, owner uh, of G2 Esports, uh, Carlos Osolato Rodriguez. Uh, thank you very much for joining us. Uh, looking good. I see you're repping your own merchandise. You always did know how to market yourself. Um, how's life treating you? <laughs> Life's treating me really well. Uh, as always, work. Um, it's, you know, it get, gets heavier by, you know, some parts of the year. Yeah. A lot of crunch time moments, but it's really fun. I really can't complain one bit, man. And today, I'm having a lot of fun in the office. It seems like we're supposed to be here working, but the truth is that everybody's just laughing all the time, making jokes and having a good time, so it's a good thing. It looks to have changed a little bit, actually, since the last time we didn't view. We got a much bigger. Yeah, look, actually, like we actually yeah. changed. Like this is ginormous place. Like it's really, really large. Like and we wow. have like two two floors, and it's, it's beautiful. Um, but um, it we it's also in the middle of um, in the middle of um, of Germany. I mean, of, mm. of uh, Berlin. Sorry, in Poznanoplatz. So it's I just, honestly, it's really, really good. Comparable. So if you compare it with the previous uh, office, yeah, which. Uh, you know, you know when you have this this um, this car, this this Opel that has 25 years, and you've lived through so many things with this car, and you're like, oh my god, it, I hate to get rid of this car. Well, that's not the feeling I have with my fucking previous office. I hate it. So I'm just <laughs> glad we. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I remember, dude. I mean, you know, Germany's one of those places. Um, you know, when you live in the big cities in Germany, I mean, they're pretty. You know, it, it can be tough to get in and out. And I think in the place where you were last as well, it was like there was a lot of other offices around you and stuff. So. Yeah, I, I mean, it was. I mean, yeah. the good thing as well is that I have my home. I walk literally like one minute, and I'm in my home. It's just so lucky. So look, um, let's start then, because uh, we we only have an hour. So let's talk about uh, CS:GO. Obviously, that's my wheelhouse. It's where you've been. Um, you know, uh, for a while, and uh, you've made many public statements about things that have been going on with the team. So I'll just yep. give you a recap from, you know, community perspective. Uh, there was a big split in, in the team when you had uh, a French team that was kind of, um, it was meant to be the superstar team. It was meant to be, you know, all the best players from France. I certainly thought it was. Finally, put, putting their differences aside, because a lot of them had some issues going back, you know, many years. And, you know, all playing under one roof, all representing G2. And it just didn't live up to expectations. It didn't live up to the hype. And then you were put in a position as a manager where you had to choose between which players to keep. Um, and it was abundantly clear. And like, I'll just say, you know, that MBK and Shocks, it's pretty well known in the scene, haven't historically got along, don't have the same philosophies about the game, um, and have been fundamentally incompatible. So you were put in a position where you had to choose between the team that sort of left, uh, the, the players that left and formed what is now the core of the Vitality team, or stick with uh, this shocks kind of roster with Kenny S and you know other players that he wanted to bring in. Um, given that you've had to make a lot of changes since then, uh, can you talk us through what was going on in the team internally at that time, and do you think you made the right decision to back the players that you backed? Um, so first of all, I'm, I'm, I'm really consequent and I'm, I try to, I try to uh, make that um, a habit 
to, to, to be part of the culture of what we do, sure. uh, being consequent in every decision we take, what, what, what happened in the past happened and the decisions we took in the past, we took them because we generally thought it was the right decision at the you know, moment in time. <clears throat> so if I go back and, and, and I would um, have the choice to make things differently, I probably wouldn't. I probably would do the exact same things we did okay. because it taught us a lot of things. Like today, I know many things that I didn't know back then, uh, especially around uh, providing um, a large amount of control over the team to players. That is just not possible. <clears throat> and it's just in, it's, it's inconsistent with finding success because um, players undeniably are not neutral in their minds. Um, they are always, you know, they tend to be very tunnel vision because they get to train with the other four players on a daily basis. And as a result, then they're not unbiased, you know, and they develop relationships with other players. Um, and, and, as, and, and many times they will ignore that the other player is a problem because they got acclimated to the mistakes that that other player makes or to the lack of big plays that other player makes, you know what I mean? And yeah. so they lack the context of what the player could be, right? Mm -hmm. Um, so as a result of that, the, the team ends up being in a position where it's just, it, it, it becomes more and more mediocre over time. Mm -hmm. And then what happens is that a couple of losses come in, uh, the culture of the team gets destroyed, not everybody's giving their 100% as a result, and everything snowballs out of control in a really, really bad way. Mm -hmm. um, and that's, I think, what happens to many, many teams. And our <clears throat> uh, Counter-Strike team was no different back then. Uh, I, 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 wouldn't, I really wouldn't attribute the fault of that to any player in particular, mm -hmm. um, uh, you know, every player had their fair share of bad stuff, and so did the organization and myself personally. You know, okay. to a degree, to the degree uh, such as I should have never allowed anybody that's not the organization or the support staff to have control over the team, um, and and that's the number one mistake that we committed. And as a result, players are players, man. Players, they just the human. Human nature makes people take care of their own stuff first, you know? Mm. And, and, and players look at their careers first and foremost. Most important thing is looking at their careers and say, um, am I going to get kicked? <laughs> because if the answer is yes, yeah. then I better try to do some politics here and there not to, you know? And so a lot of, when politics come into play, I have a, a theory that things are already fucked up. So, um, yeah, you, 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 a very high-performing group like it's any competitive group of any kind, of any sport, of any, you know, whatever you, you, you want to focus on, um, it has to be unnegotiably focused on winning, whatever it is that they're doing. And when politics come into play, that becomes second page. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll come back to that point about being um, an organization that focuses on winning, because I think actually, um, increasingly, there's a lot of uh, organizations, a lot of brands that don't really focus on that. They focus on reach. They focus on popularity because that's obviously a very quick way to just instantly make some money and, and um, generate some revenue. But I, I do want to talk a little bit more about the CSGO team because, you know, the, the roster that we have now around uh, Shocks and, and, and Kenny S does involve some players that uh, raised a few eyebrows, you know, when they joined. Uh, we're talking about players that haven't necessarily played at the top level yet um in their career and and you know we're talking about lucky and jacks who uh came across from if i remember rightly it was ldlc another um french organization 
uh, sorry, 3D Max, I think it was actually, my bad, uh, with Malek was over there at the coach. So I wanted to get your thought process because I know you were involved in, you know, the recruitment of these players. You said that you were going to get a bit more involved and you wanted to help the team get back to its roots and get back to success. So what was the thought process in bringing in these players that didn't have this wealth of international experience? Um, so, be, so before what happened with um, APEC, oh, sorry, before what happened with MBK and Sox, mm. um, that year and a half or year and a half plus time, we as a team, as an organization, had no control over anything they were doing. Mm. Um, we were, as always, remaining supportive. Anything they asked for, they had it. But we were not ever the bad guys, ever. Right. We were no, in no position to even be the bad guys, bad guys, which at the end of the day bring you the victories, right? Yeah. Uh, or help you bring the victories. Uh, and no, at no point we had that point. Right? We had that, that position of power. So um, after everything that happened, um, which I think is a blessing in disguise, we saw an opportunity to finally uh, be in a position where we can help the team, you know, uh, by uh, getting leverage over it. And essentially being in a position where we can make changes ourselves, which as a result, uh, victories eventually come along, <clears throat> unlike before, right? Um, and so everything that happened after that moment was a, a, a byproduct of the organization and the support staff taking decisions together. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> so when you, you see um, Mixwell got tried out, uh, when yep. you see, you know, we brought Lucky and Jax, uh, when you see we brought Amanek for Buddy, all these things, uh, or the decision to go for uh, Shox's project instead of the other one after trying with the other one, all these things are organization decisions. You can argue they're good or bad decisions, but they're ours at least, right? And, and the, the, when we're looking at younger players like Jax, Lucky, um, I mean, not necessarily younger, they're not, uh, all three of them uh, are relatively young, but I think Jax is, is a, bit, a bit older. Yeah, it's he's not about 26, how. Yeah. Yeah, it's not about the age. It's about it's about the 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 mind age, you know, when it comes into yeah. Counter Strike. It's about the fact that when there is any tournament going on, they're communicating in WhatsApp and talking about the tournament and, and you know what I mean, like just talking about breathing Counter Strike, you know. Uh, that's the kind of young attitude with energy that I was looking for, mm-hmm. and and I think that people like Shox and Kenny are legends, mm-hmm. and, and 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 these people. You don't have to teach them how to play Counter-Strike. You just have to give them an environment that allows them to thrive, right? Yeah, sure. And that environment, in my eyes, from my experience as a former player and, and now a team owner, comes from the motivation, the intrinsic motivation that comes from seeing your teammates try so hard. Mm. Uh, also, these guys, the legendary guys, uh, may tend to spiral out of control in a bad way if the opposite is true. If their teammates are all you know, like not playing as much and they go party a lot and they, you know, they're late to screams or whatever. Then, then, then they also snowball out of control themselves, you know? Mm. And so what I wanted to have is a, is a, um, and not when I say I, I mean you too, right? What we wanted to have um, is, a, is a system that had, you know, two or three really, really hungry, really, really energetic guys that play all day, that love the game, that just breathe the game, are thinking all the time about it. They're taking a shower, thinking about the game. They're doing everything thinking about the game. And then these two guys, Shocks and Kenny, that you know will deliver if who surrounds them is, is bringing it that, that, that energy. 
So that was the, the intention behind. And honestly, the current team we have, um, and, 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 you know, it's been now four years and a half looking at many different teams in many different games. And what, one thing I do really good, um, I think is one of my biggest strengths is pattern recognition. Mm. And, and I recognize patterns when things go well and when things go bad. And there's always common denominators in those patterns. So I try to provide every team with what I know are the common denominators that are undeniable in those patterns, right? That I see. And, and, and uh, so that's what I provided to the Counter-Strike team. And as a result of all these conversations, we got the team we have. And honestly, it just feels like this team right here, maybe, I don't know if it's going to be the final team we're going to have two years from now even, but it does feel good. It feels good. It feels like they're just energetic. They're hungry. They're happy playing together. They are inspired to play together, motivated to play together. And that's, that's just have, have the job done when you have good players. You can see it in the results as well. I mean, it's inconsistent, but it's good. Yeah. Well, I mean, there has been some uh, positive signs. I mean, uh, yeah, you guys obviously in the ESL uh, Pro League Season 9, um, you were in a group that uh, I believe had uh, Fnatic and, and Na'Vi in Navi, there. And, yeah. yeah, and you, you guys... And Windigo as well, right? Yeah. Uh, Windigo, yeah, yeah. Those guys have... Um, also, Windigo yeah. beaten us uh, previously, just recently, before that yeah. moment, two times as well. They're really, really good. Yeah, that was at uh, the Chinese tournament, right? The WES. Yeah. Yep. Um, but yeah, you guys, you know, you beat Fnatic, beat Navi, beat Windigo, um, and uh, to, you know, to, topped Group C uh, and made it into the finals. So that's kind of flown under everyone's radar. Like that, not a lot of people have talked about that. There was a little bit uh, of discussion on some forums recently about, um, you know, what, why you guys maybe haven't been in some other qualifiers for tournaments, and people have been speculating that. Uh, shocks being married might be a fa- uh, in June might be a factor. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, it's not true. Yeah, I I, I didn't think it was because I mean you know I I've known Richard many well, well, years. We actually like, think that ESL. I mean, I, I I told this to to Jerome to Niak. I was like ESL one Cologne for me is as important as a major mm. because I bring all my investors there. I I always get a you know the, we always get the G two booth. We always like spend money on there. You know. And, yeah. and we want to be there with a team, you know? And for me, just ESL One Colon is like the cathedral of esports, for real. Like for me, um, that, that tournament right there is right below the majors in terms of importance and the, mm-hmm. the, the pride that it gives you. So it's not because we didn't want to, it's because we just were not high, high up in the rankings or high enough uh, because uh, one of the big, um, I mean, it's not that I disagree with it, but one of the big dynamics of rankings is that when you change a player, then you go down a lot. And we changed relatively recently two players and now another one. So then all the success we could have gone through prior to that moment is gone down to the garbage. And in, in ESL's ranking, I think we were like 14 or something like that. It's just not, not, not good enough. Well, yeah, let's talk a little bit about that then just quickly. Um, you know, because fans will want to know what is happening with, with ESL1 Cologne. Um, uh, you know, like you say, I, I, me and me and Thorin, we we agree. I think most CS:GO talent agree it's the best tournament outside of the majors. Uh, it's as worthwhile as a major to, to win. Um, and it seems to be a weird situation where you didn't get invited uh, uh, to the uh, closed qualifier, um, but then you didn't play in the open qualifier. So, so what happened then? Was it just a lack of communication from ESL to your organization, or? Yeah, I, I actually can't get into details because I know, yeah. um, I know Jerome is working it out with ESL. Just know 
The only thing I want to make sure everybody knows is that if we are not in whatever qualifier you have seen, it's not by choice. Okay. Because we, 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 we die to play in the fucking tournament. Mm. Um, I mean, hopefully it's something that can get worked out because I think, you know, especially with rumors that are going around that some teams aren't going to attend. Um, I mean, the, 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 this last pro series thing is a fucking nightmare. It's a joke. Um, well, that, that was my next question. So uh, let, let's get into it. Uh, what, 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 do you, what do you think of this whole blast situation that's going on? Why is you it? Know, I, I, I love, I love um, consequent people. And you know, you know this very much. So I, I guess uh, so for me, the word consequent is very important. If you want to go ahead and have um, a big market share on everything, teams, tournaments, everything that the, the industry touches, just go ahead and do it. You know, but don't mask everything as if you're the great guys and and you're saving everybody out of the 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 bad world out there and the villains that rule the the earth in which we're a part of. Come on, like this is not fucking like we all know each other. We know who you guys are. You know, nobody here is a saint. Um, all this fucking sports psychologist branding. What is this? I mean, do you think we don't have sports psychologists here? Like, we literally destroyed you 3-0 in the finals. It wasn't even a game. Like, how, many, how much meditation? You know, I, I hope after the 3-0, they were meditating for the next two fucking weeks because that deserved, that deserved a, medita- a meditation rally right there, okay? So, I don't know what, what, what... This is just coming here and saving the world. What is this? Like, if you go out and try to get market share out there, just go, uh, just be upfront about it, you know? Mm-hmm. Listen up. We got these players under contracts that they don't, they don't understand. We are telling you that they own a percentage in the company that, by the way, they don't fully understand. They don't understand dilution. They don't understand what happens if we raise money. They don't understand what happens when we distribute assets in different companies. They don't understand anything. What do you mean player-owned organization? You know what I mean? Like, all these things. People mm-hmm. are just, you know, first thing people hear about these things, like, oh, my God, they're the saviors. And then slowly... Slowly, you know, this is like, they, 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 you know, slowly they, they, they put the arm in and then the whole arm is in, you know? Yeah. And now this is the position we currently are at. So people, this is what you get for trusting uh, without actual proof. This is what you get for trusting just words and beautiful, uh, beautifulness. It just doesn't work. Well, well let, let's talk about the blast, sort of what it's doing now. There's literally a report today when I was setting up this morning to get ready for the interview. There was a report today that's come out, which, you know, I knew this was coming. I think we all did, that the blast circuit will be expanding in 2020. And mm-hmm. now, lo and behold, they're already having clashes with ESL over calendar dates, which, you know, this is a throwback, right? This is like what was happening uh, a year or two ago in, in CS. Uh, it's what was happening in 2010, 2011 with StarCraft, where DreamHack and ESL went head-to-head before they were owned by the same company. Uh, it's not good for the scene when people basically can't agree even on something as basic as dates to play mm-hmm. tournaments. It puts organizations in a terrible position. It puts players in a terrible position. And it uh, harms the calendar overall. Um, from what I can see, Refresh are being very aggressive and wanting to take over the space. Good for uh, them. Fucking applaud them. Like, good job. You know, good, they're good business people. I tell mm-hmm. you that already. They're great, very smart business people. But w- what do you think of it in terms of what it'll do to the scene? I mean, let's say, for example, you know, Refresh 
win the battle and we're left with the Blast Pro Series. I don't like their format. I don't like best of ones. I don't think that's good for anybody. I don't think it's good for competitive Counter-Strike. Um, you know, if they start chipping away and having teams only play their events and not go to big events like Cologne, that's harmful, isn't it? I mean, it's good business for them, but it's bad for everybody else. Well, um, I think that, I mean, so, so some industries go through change that is unwanted from the, mm. in the short and midterm, uh, and it increases the quality of the long-term life of whatever business that is, right? And I think this is true also in this case. Mm. Um, and, 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 you know, if Blast changes the tournament format to a normal tournament format, which literally can be done with a call from the guy that takes decisions, you know, mm. uh, that's it. You're back on track, you know? And yes, okay. there will be six months where uh, the biggest tournament, the two biggest tournaments around those dates are not going to have the best teams out there. Uh, but majors are still going to happen. And after those six months, some kind of conclusion will be coming to fruition. And all of a sudden, uh, you will have ESL, ECS, and I mean, ESL, face it, and, um, and um, Refresh mm -hmm. making deals about uh, who takes which dates. And all of a sudden, you have Refresh just due to very good business in the, in, in the market of, of, of tournament organizers. So, and at the end of the day, that means that there is just more choice and they will have to uh, make every tournament organizer step up because now it's three people you're competing, competing against, you know? I mean, I'm, I, I think that competition is great. I mean, I love competition and yes. I don't think it's wrong that Blast is coming out and, and and, and trying to get market share and trying to get a couple of tournaments going with great teams going on. They probably pay good for that. Good for them. Mm. Um, how, how, how come uh, you haven't been involved in, in that as a team owner, you know? Because it seems to me they've reached out to some pretty big brands, um, you know, both in America and Europe. Um, obviously, I don't want you to talk out of school, but I mean, surely they must have knocked on your door and, and, and said, hey, do you want to be a part of this? Yeah, so it hasn't been as assertive as it may look from the outside oh. uh, because the way Refresh does business is by looking like uh, they're harmless and looking mm -hmm. like it's helping everybody. Mm. And then, it, I mean, it, it's, it's a, again, it's, 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 it's what it is, you know. I, it, they're not bad people. It's just what it is, you know. Mm. And, and um, so the, the, the way they came to us, it, it was very non-assertive. It was very win-win uh, situation. And, and I think, honestly, that we would have gotten a much more critical role in all of this, if our team would have been, would have been good. Mm. Um, so I think that our team not being a top five team have made us, uh, have made any decision easier uh, for obvious reasons. So mm. honestly, I, I, I just like to be frank with these things. Um, uh, long story short is that I think it's long, uh, short term uh, unhealthy because you don't have the best teams in tournaments that you would consider to be the best yeah. bar majors. Uh, me, long term, I think it's a good thing because um, everybody, I mean, competition is good. Um, with all of this, I, I still believe, and I put my hand on fire for this after everything I'm seeing, that ESL Pro League is by far, even though they, get, they got so much shit in the past, mm. ESL Pro League is by far the, the one tournament that I look at when, and I, I, by the way, this happens the same in Rainbow Six. Like, they just do a fucking good job. Yeah, ups and downs, but, yeah. um, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a good tournament. And it's, uh, you know what to expect in a tournament. Uh, ESL has been, uh, to, to many people's surprises, very helpful in, in scaling things and in working together with 
um, teams to make sure that ECS and EPL can coexist. Mm. So um, that, that that's what I would say. That I, I think EPL is pretty is pretty decently set up, and and it's not a bad thing that they have more competition now. Mm. Um, let w- w- I hate the tournament format of Blast. Though. I I think they yeah. should. Oh, I, I, I they will. They will. Yeah. yeah. I, I I think they need to um, certainly if they're going to expand because I wouldn't want the entire competitive calendar to look like that. But since we're talking about events and tournament circuits, uh, let's talk about League of Legends. Obviously, um, you know I, I I don't do a lot of uh, League of Legends content these days, uh, but when I do, you know it's it's usually about big stuff. Um, and let's talk about uh, you know your position within this um, new plan to sort of have European uh, franchising. And I definitely wanted to get your thoughts on it. So basically, um, it's been reported that um, the, uh, you know, uh, you, you were part, one of the original waves of big European teams that were coming in to be part of this European, uh, fr- basically a franchise league, an official league uh, it, that, that was replacing effectively the European LCS as we know it. Um, and there's a lot of people in Europe that don't like this kind of American style of hermetically sealed, closed off leagues where you can't get relegated um, because people think it doesn't breed uh, a desire for success because at the end of the day, you can't lose your investment. You can't get relegated. Um, and also as well, it doesn't share uh, talent, uh, you know, and access to money and sponsors because nobody comes up, right? So um, Americans seem to like that idea very much. European teams, not so much. They they look at the soccer model and people seem to prefer that. So I just wanted to talk, first of all, about the benefits of franchised leagues, including this one with, uh, with League of Legends, and why team owners prefer that and generally tend to gravitate towards leagues like that Mm -hmm. this is a very complex issue because um um it's very easy to whatever i say somebody answers ah but hang on you said this now you said that you know it's it's a very very complex issue first of all why would i want franchise well i want franchise because i don't want a competitive disadvantage over those teams that are in a franchise Mm-hmm. Because being in a franchise is mathematically better for the long-term health of the organization. So when another region, which I consider competitors, and I compete against for sponsorship dollars and merchandise dollars, gets it, get into a franchise, and I don't get into a franchise, then I, of course, get disappointed, and I want a franchise, right? So I'm not going to get into whether I think franchising is good or not versus just the pure competitive uh, landscape where you can go down into second division and things of that nature with relegation and all that. Mm-hmm. Let's go, let's go into the pros and cons of both. I'll try to be as unemotional as possible about it. Sure. Uh, so, uh, pro, uh, so cons about, um, franchise, uh, system. Mm-hmm. Even though there is no evidence that proves that what I'm saying is right, you could make a case that by franchising a league, the level of gameplay uh, goes down relative to previous years relative to the opponent, right? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but I haven't seen evidence of this happening because this is the first franchise year and we just fucking shit up. And probably we have the best team that Europe had since the beginning of the game. So I don't know if there is evidence of that. I just think that mathematically it could kind of make... I can, theor- 
I can create a theory that that will be correct. Yeah. Um, more negative stuff is that um, only in rare cases where, um, and sometimes not that rare, that the wrong people are picked up for the franchise model. And as a result, you're surrounded unconditionally with people you don't want to be with uh, because you just don't think they are enough value. That's another potential issue. I'm not saying it's the issue with LEC, but I'm, I'm saying it's, it's very possible that's an issue with other leagues. Um, and, um, and, and then I guess number three would be that then you, you need to um, generate a very socialist-heavy uh, system Mm. that uh, allows bottom teams to not be too far off against top teams because otherwise there's a potential snowball effect. But I don't know if that's something I'm pro or against. Uh, I would consider that a minus because I don't think it's the perfect system, but uh, I don't have an idea of what a better system could look like. Mm. I, just don't, I just don't like incentivizing uh, doing worse. Um, and then some of the pros would be when, when nobody can get relegated mm-hmm. and we have to remind ourselves of the one simple truth that when somebody watches a League of Legends game is to be entertained or a Counter-Strike game is to be entertained. We're not talking here about competing to conquer a nation or competing for bread. You know, we're literally competing. As, it's a game, okay? Mm-hmm. And everybody watches it to be entertained. So for the purpose of entertaining, I consider it to be very good that franchises exist because nobody can get relegated. As a result of that, teams don't need to go all in on lineups. They don't need to go all in on having the best possible team no matter what. And instead, they can focus on having a better branding. They can focus on having better social media, better content to increase the, the hype and the desirability of the league, which as a result, increase the... Um, expectability and, and, and the amount of eyeballs that watch it, right? Mm. Because people are get, get more entertained by more hype and more drama, more storylines. So I would consider that to be the major, um, the major reason why I would go for that. Um, the number two pros would be the fact that you own a hard asset that is not really a hard asset because you don't know how long the game will last. But in mm. the case of League of Legends, chances are it'll last for a long time. Uh, um, uh, you own something that outlasts whatever competitive success you would have relied on in the past. Mm. Um, uh, which means that when it comes down to investments, when it comes down to long sponsorship agreements, or when it comes down to long licensing agreements of things like that, essentially things that build a business foundation with cash mm-hmm. to operate it, um, uh, th- those are positive things for that reason because then investors get increasingly interested in investing in something that they know will at least have an asset kind of that yeah. will be 10 years-ish minimum relevant even if your management team is completely useless, right? So that, I guess, adds a layer of insurance and security to anybody that invests any money in any team. Um, that's part of that. Uh, so that, those, those would be, you know, long story short, the pros and cons I'd see, big picture. Yeah, and also as well, is there any sort of specific benefits with uh, working with uh, Riot Games? Because, you know, one of the things that I've heard is, um, for, you know, from other team owners that, honestly, they haven't been that great at helping people who run League of Legends teams for them uh, monetize. And, and, you know, there isn't uh, a great, you know, share when it comes to merchandising. 
there isn't a great share or split, you know, whatever you want to call it. Uh, when it comes to sponsors, um, you don't see a lot of microtransactions in the game that generate a lot of money for the um, you know teams, for the players, and that they could definitely do better in this regard. In fact, publicly, a lot of the owners who are involved in Overwatch have said, <laughs> actually, Overwatch, the Overwatch League is doing so much better already than the existing League of Legends structure. Uh, what's your perspective ab about that? Do you think that Riot is a good partner in terms of what it does for team owners? So I think there's various points onto this. Um, um, let's imagine you are a game. You are the creator of a game. I'm not saying this is Overwatch, of course. Overwatch is gigantic. But imagine you're the creator of just for extremes, just to create streams for the purpose of conversation. Sure. Um, imagine you own a game that has one player, mm -hmm. one monthly active user. Then, uh, if you want you to to play your game, then you have to pay us millions of dollars. Uh, mm. If you want us to play your game, because then we will create a, a positive trend that hopefully will bring more people into the game, right? Um, if you're uh, the creator of a game that has 100 million uh, players and you speak with G2 about playing your game, you may pay us 300,000, 500,000. I'm just making up a number, right? Um, which relative to the other number is very small, but that's because the, your position of power is larger. So I think that everybody in business gets away with what they can get away with. That's just the nature of business, I think. And when you see uh, publishers having deals with teams that are better or worse, many times it has something to do with the um, agreeability from these teams combined with the, their ability to uh, negotiate together, combined with how much they paid to get into the league, combined with many aspects, right? Yeah. But many times it also has to do with the level of leverage uh, that the publisher in question has uh, with, with those teams or against those teams. And I think that um, what happens in esports in general, and again, I'm just not using any specific examples because you can make your mind about them, but I think it's more important to explain the principle behind. Um, when when, when uh, you, you see uh, the very beginning of something happening, like mm. in this case, in-game items being shared with teams as revenue, right? Yeah. Um, the, the beginning is always hard because the uh, publishers have to start understanding, shit, we have to start sharing this thing that we had no expectation whatsoever in sharing. But shit, this data is telling me that if I have G2 in my game, I get to increase my player retention, player acquisition, and the dollar per player in the game. So having G2 here is actually good for me, but G2 won't be here unless I pay him something. So then it's a negotiation. And I think as time goes by, um, I think publishers are increasingly understanding the value of having the G2s of the world, the fanatics of the world, the team liquids of the world uh, uh, in their games because it does exactly that. It, it increases the lifespan of the game and as a result, the revenue over the years. So we're in the early beginning in all of this. And I don't know exactly how it's going to turn out to be, but um, I think... Once a publisher creates a precedent, uh, a certain precedent with a certain ref share model um, in a game that's already really large, then the door is open. And then you have a competitive landscape again, and then it, publishers will have to sort of fight for that, um, uh, you know, fight for that um, uh, appeal towards teams. Uh, overall, um, 
the industry in the and you've been here for how many fucking years? Twenty years? So, well, uh, not quite. I think we're closing in on seven. No, sixteen. Okay, so sixteen years. I mean, oh, my, long, my long is, enough. Too long. Yeah, I know. I know. So, so it's, for me, it's fourteen and a half. Uh, mm. It's about to be. So, and, and we've seen all the way from the beginning of time how first of all players got fucked by teams. Oh sure. And 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 today that is very rare to see to the degree that we saw in the past, right? Oh yeah. Absolutely. And 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 why is all, why is all of this happening? Because the power the power balance just changes over time and things as time passes um, uh, balance it out to a point where everybody ends up getting uh, at some point in time what's uh, fair within the context of the, of, the, of the industry and i think that it's it may be true that and i i think i think you could be i think you're right that um teams are play on players in general in no game by the way in no game are getting uh, paid uh, they are getting compensated rightfully for the amount of value they generate for the game mm. i think that's correct but i think that we will get there eventually and i'm i'm not in a rush we are all having conversations almost uh, bi-weekly almost you know monthly minimum about this and the pressure is being asserted in a in a really friendly way and and you know nobody's a stupid everybody wants to have a good relationship with each other everybody knows that the, the, how important players and teams are for all this so um we're getting there well uh, i've got to ask you something specific relating to to league of legends it might be something you don't want to talk about that's fine okay. you can just tell me not to okay uh but in november last year there was a little bit of drama um that uh, seemed to in involve g2 and it was these allegations of poaching um, in the league around the acquisition of players. And, and, and let, let's be clear, the team that you've assembled is phenomenally stacked with talent. Um, the G2 League of Legends team has been one of the best for if it's years now. I mean, it's, it's, it's ridiculous how um, consistent the team has been. Um, and it's ridiculous how much talent has been on the roster, roster down the years, right? But um, there seemed to be an element of how shall we say, believability to this because Sam Matthews, um, who was the founder and uh, still the CEO of Fnatic, again, a guy I've known since, I mean, he was like one of the original guys that I looked up to in, in eSports because he was one of the guys who, you know, built a brand from nothing, did it all with his own money, you know, a wing and a prayer, and they had great players and were always very accessible. And Sam's a, you know, cool guy. You know, he made a tweet that said one of the perks, wink, wink, which of course is, um, you know, he spelled it like the name of the player on your roster. One of the perks of my job is I don't poach. And then there was a report on VP Esports, I think done by Kevin Hitt, if I remember rightly, mm -hmm. um, basically saying, you know, that there'd been some evidence circulating that there'd been some inappropriate conversations uh, between players. And it looked like what Riot Games defines as poaching may have occurred Riot said this isn't true and that there'd been no complaints uh, and Fnatic actually hadn't complained, but that Sam Matthews tweet did make it look like it was Fnatic in particular that had an issue. Um, mm -hmm. I think you came out and said that it was complete bullshit. Um, so I just wanted to get a more thorough perspective on what you think happened, why you think Sam tweeted what he did, and um, you know, just that whole kind of okay. drama, you know. So let me preface by saying that um, I actually look up to Sam even today. When I created G2, I created it with the goal of relegating SK Gaming 
of destroying <laughs> of destroying origin and of destroying fanatic mm-hmm. and when when i thinks about this thing when i think about these things i <laughs> i i you know I, uh, alex Mueller, um, mm-hmm. um uh, sam matthews and peke expeke should feel good about it because that means that i look up to them sure. you know i'm i'm not thinking i'm going to destroy splice you know <laughs> that, you know that, that should... <laughs> yeah I, I i totally take your point yeah so so uh so po- po- point point being um just to preface that i actually look up to some a lot he's super creative um uh, with that said i am I, I like to talk trash and increasingly so and i'm getting really good at it i'm getting really good I, I never get salty lately i i became really good at it as well and and i knew what to say exactly to trigger him and I, I still do it nowadays. I, I know exactly what to say to trigger him and Karen Patrick. They get yeah. so triggered. And, and they're good people, but they get so triggered. And, and so uh, what he said there about the poaching, he was just being spiteful. There's, there's no, no proof anywhere. And one thing I will say in regards to that, uh, actually, I said there's no proof anywhere. Maybe there's proof in, somewhere. I haven't mm-hmm. seen it, okay? Uh, but um, maybe, maybe there's truth in regards to the poaching. I have no idea, dude. Okay, I'm telling you genuinely, I have no idea. But what I can tell you for certain is that my players are not stupid because I have made sure over the years, especially with Perks, that he understands, um, that he, has, he needs to fully understand the rules of the game, even the unwritten rules of the game, and then play under those uh, written and unwritten rules of the game, right? Mm-hmm. And I, have, I think I've done a good job at the key players of G2 to understand this. And... One thing you gotta you gotta know is that first split, uh, we were in the LCS in the ULCS. We won it with yeah. Hybrid and uh, and uh, Emperor mm-hmm. and Kiki's top lane, uh, Trick Jungle Perks mid lane, and the first thing that happened after people saw we were good is all my players. I'm talking all of them, and I have actual fucking proof, you know, <laughs> of four of, of three of them. Sorry, I have proof of three of them being poached left, right, and center by teams that were in the NALCS and in the ULCS, you know? But what's happening here, Richard? I know the written and the unwritten rules, right? And the unwritten rule that you should, and everybody should know, is that over the years, poaching, even though it was a rule that was not allowed, was happening everywhere. Oh, and simply everywhere. And by the way, keep something in mind. I would rather be the seventh team in the league when it comes down to this rule, because nobody's going to poach my fucking players. Yeah. But when you're G2, you better make sure that you have, you, you make them very happy because everybody wants your players. Mm. And right now, as we, as we are talking right now, the guys are right now in, uh, in uh, Taiwan and sorry, in uh, Vietnam. Okay. Playing MSI. I bet my five fingers. I bet my five fingers. Some of the team owners of these teams are just having dinner with my players, but you know, you got to live with it. You gotta live with just just the game, you know. That's the problem you have when poaching, when when there is poaching regulations, where that that people will go will circumvent them as much as they have nothing to lose. Yeah. And what happens then is that you're in my position and you hear all this shit. Oh my god, you're poaching, you're bad, 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 bad. <clears throat> okay. And you're like, motherfucker, if, if you would know what's going on behind the scenes. I'm the, I'm the actual, uh, how do you call that? Um, I'm the victim. You know what I mean? But I don't yeah. talk about it because that's just not the game. We're here to, it's, it's, we're not here for that, you know? That's not the game. So 
ultimately, the bottom line in all of this is look at what happened at the end. Made, I don't know if Riot has proof or not, but they did say that they don't have any proof. So um, I, don't, I don't know why they would die, lie. But imagine they do have proof. Mm-hmm. They still said nothing happened because they know what's going on. Or imagine they, do, they don't have proof. They said there is no proof. So there's no conversation to be had about this topic. You know, it's just yeah. saltiness combined with... Um, uh, saltiness combined with... Well, the perks and, and Carlos, yours truly, are very hateable, um, which I, I, I like to a degree. Um, mm. uh, and, and, and I think that makes any small flame becomes a, become, become a big fire, you know? That's what happened. But I knew it was going to pass. I wasn't, I wasn't worried at all. Okay. That's why I was uh, still having fun on Twitter. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I figured. Um, so look, uh, let's also talk a little bit about Rocket League, right? Because I think you've got, um, I mean, uh, you know, I, I follow Rocket League esports as much as my time allows. So fucking cool, man. That game, yeah, I, I love I, the fucking game, man. I, I'm, I'm the same. Like, you know, every time um, I take some time away from it and I come back, I'm always like, you know, man, I, I should spend more time following this because I had a blast doing it at E-League. Um, yeah, you, you did very well. I remember that, actually. You, you did pretty decently, considering you never... Uh, I don't even know if you played it, but um, uh, you, yes, you did very well. I mean, you... you, you... Yeah, I mean, look, I, 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 res- I just respected it like you do anything, you know? It doesn't matter what the game is. You know, we could be doing Clash Royale for all I give a fuck. Uh, you know, I'll go out and I'll do my research and stuff. Um, and... Yeah, I mean, but I, but I actually like the game, and I, I, you know, and I played it with friends. I played it when it first came out. I just, I'm like you. I just don't have time to fucking play games anymore, right? <laughs> yeah. you know? I wish I did. Um, I honestly, I wish I did. I wish I could just fucking play games. <laughs> I, 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 I get like four or five games to Dota two a week in, and that's that's about my. <laughs> um, but but you know, look, it, it, it's it's a super cool game. Um, the G two side uh, has had like some unbelievable. Uh, moments in its history and, and you guys actually came out for uh you know the WSOE the, the World Showdown of Esports event in uh, in January and uh fit you know made it to the semifinals like kind of third, third and fourth uh where you guys lost to NRG <clears throat> but um you've got you've got a really talented roster you know I, I'm a big fan of JNAPS I think JNAPS is great. great um you know and and uh I think that tournament actually might have been the first uh it was the first, was the first one in Chicago, Chicago. Yeah. yeah, it was a fun um, with Chicago. So I, I just wanted to talk about, you know, why you um, are kind of involved in Rocket League esports. There's some organizations that that don't have a team um, and don't seem and, and and the ones that do don't seem to talk about it very much. I think G2 are a little bit different in the fact that this is like one of your flagship teams. I mean, you really, Absolutely. yeah, you really push them out there a lot. You talk about them a lot. You give them a lot of promotion. Um, so I just wanted to sort of get your perspective on why you think it's a mm-hmm. great esport and why you've so, been there pretty much since the start. So, you know, actually, I think that being acquired by Epic is the single best thing that could have happened to this game. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that too, so we can merge all So good. I mean, mm-hmm. so good. Yeah. Yes. So I don't think Psyonix even knows the beast they have in their hands. Like, mm-hmm. just, just keep in mind something. Imagine a game that's easy to get into, which, which means that anybody can come out and play it. Mm-hmm. That as easy to get into it also as a viewer, everybody can come in and watch it, you know, because it's very simple. Um, at the same time, it's a game that doesn't require a, an incredible level of balancing or developing, uh, you know, new mechanics. 
is one mechanic that they for sure nailed it, and I'm sure it took them years to nail it, but that's it. Right now, they don't have to change anything. They can focus on changing the maps, which is, at the end of the day, something that increases, you know, is, is for the eye, right? Mm -hmm. uh, they don't even have to change the shape of the thing, just the maps. They, they, can, they can add skins. They can have collaborations with uh, brands like McLaren, like they did, or like with Nissan and so on. They can have, they can focus on the stuff that Fortnite focuses without having to, fo without having to, the need of getting 300 developers to put together the next weapon, right? Mm -hmm. or, or, or the next anime. They don't have to, you know? So this is, this is unbelievable to me how this game is so perfect as an esport. Yeah. And, and, and there is nothing that makes me happier than people that have never seen Rocket League being able to see Rocket League from zero. So what I would do, I would make the game free to play. Mm -hmm. I would put it all the time at the very top of the Epic Store mm -hmm. uh, as the esports flagship. I would put all my esports efforts, uh, not the creator esports, they say the esport, the, the actual hardcore esports efforts into Rocket League. Mm -hmm. And I would put that shit on TV, which by the way is another pro because it's not violent and you can put it on anywhere yep. at prime time Thursday, you know? Yep. And, and that, that's, there's just so many things combined that makes this game a 10 out of 10. Um, and anybody that's not in Rocket League right now, I swear to God, either couldn't be um, part of it in a way that they felt was good enough, so with a good team, or they just don't understand anything about this industry. Yeah. Well, I mean, look, uh, I, I think, uh, you know, I was going to bring up some points about the um, Epic acquisition. I talked about it on my stream. I mean, there was a lot of doom and gloom because there were a lot of unanswered questions. You know, people w weren't sure, like, does it mean it'll get pulled from Steam? Um, they've said there's no plans to do that immediately, but what that but means, they will, they will. In yeah, in I mean, price. they have to. I mean, and, and look, if that's the price that you pay, um, uh, I, I still think it's worth because I think Epic Games has a level of uh, infrastructure in terms of, you know, look, there's a lot of people complain about the servers. I think Epic Games fixed that. A lot of people have complained about um, visibility and investment. I think Epic Games will fix that. They'll put money into, into this in a way that Psyonix just naturally yep. can't. I mean, you know, Psyonix have been hugely successful. They've been great at putting in um, marketing opportunities and doing movie tie-ins, you know, Batmobiles in there, things like this. This is all great stuff. But Epic have proven with Fortnite, they can take it to another level. 100%. 100%. They can, they can combine real life with the game. And yeah. whatever you've seen with Fortnite in regards to esports is nothing compared with what they can do with Rocket League. Like, and, and I, this I, is I a totally very agree. insane acquisition. Totally. Like, this is really smart acquisition. Yeah. And I, I, I'm not a big fan of the Epic store, to be yeah. honest here. But people take things out of proportion so hard, dude. Like, all this drama around this exclusivity stuff. This is what I told you about uh, Refresh, you know? I give them shit because they try to seem like angels when they're not. Mm. That's about it. When it comes into business, fucking good job, dude. Like, I'm learning a lot from you, you know? People have to live with the fact that competition is good. People have to live with the fact that Steam had a non-mobile uh, commission-based uh, model. Like, nobody was getting different commission than what Steam was deeming uh, uh, standard. Mm. Which means that, uh, uh, which means that the amount of opportunity for developers was limited. Now you have a store 
that actually works. I know this is always, it always seems evil. The capitalism seems evil, but let me tell you what is not evil, okay? Capitalism, at least controlled to a degree where there is no monopolies, is actually not evil, you know? And, 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 um, and, and having multiple different um, retails, I mean, places where you can buy games is a good thing. Mm. Uh, and in the short term, it may seem like a bad thing for whatever reason, because, I mean, not whatever reason, there's no... Uh, refunds uh, in the store there is no uh, communities hub you know there is no uh, yeah, there's a lot of stuff that's missing right I get yeah. it it's not good so it's a short term pain that we will all have to go through that gamers will have to go through for the long term gain of having an increased level of competition and I think this is really 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 good yeah. and also something I, 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 I like to focus on when it comes down to this acquisition is that as, as, good, as, as good of a job uh, Psyonix did, and to a degree Steam did to promote the game, mm-hmm. um, the amount of people that has played Rocket League to this day, that's it. Like, it was mm-hmm. really hard that that number multiplies tenfold out of nowhere. Yeah. Uh, so if, if anything, what this movie is going to do, yes, yeah, some hardcore players that really, really, really hate Epic Store will not play the game uh, maybe ever potentially only for a few days or weeks <laughs> um, but um but but the truth is that the game lifespan will be increased and mm. it will reinvigorate the interest for it because one thing uh, i don't know but epic games's marketing play like every time i see a game in the in the store maybe the game is shit but it, i just i'm like i want to buy it you know the marketing yeah. is fucking good you know it's yeah. a clean website and i mean it's i mean a cl- clean client sorry and and in a way, we'll make people play Rocket League, and it will increase user base. Well, yeah, that was the other thing I was thinking of. I mean, you know, when we talk about crossover, um, you know, for example, how many people, uh, because they have Steam, you know, Dota 2, it's free to download. I'm a CSGO player. Why the fuck wouldn't I download this free-to-play game and give it a try, right? So you have that crossover opportunity. Exactly. What no one in the industry seems to be talking about is... Fortnite, the biggest game in the world right now, uh, uh, you know, they can start funneling players. Hey, getting bored of Fortnite? Try Rocket League. You might like 100%. it. Yeah. It, that that 100%. could be huge for the game. 100%. It can become the most played game in the West easily. There's cross-platform, which is something that Epic has always wanted with Fortnite. Uh, and there's nothing easier to make cross-platform than Rocket League because you literally only play with controller. There's a few pro players, I mean, a couple that play with yeah, Rocket but that's weird. Okay. I, I used to do that. I didn't realize that was stupid. Well, maybe that's why you were bad. Yeah, <laughs> you know. But I, uh, but I switched. I switched. I, a friend told me, like, what, you're playing with keyboard right now? What are you like, fucking yeah. doing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He said that. Like, everyone uses a pad for this. I'm like, what, on a PC? Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. So, I don't know. I, I haven't which, played by the way, bring, Which, by the way, brings um, a different revenue stream in sponsorship dollars to PC. Oh, right. Absolutely. I mean, honestly, it's... it's this, this, as always, there's pros and cons, especially in the short term. There's just a few pain, growing pains, but um, ultim- ultimately, I think it's a great thing for the game, man. Um, well, look, uh, we're already getting close to time, so it was just one last question I had on, on my list. Um, although, Your as always, I always so fucking good. Like you just made for this <laughs> shit, dude. Like, well, you're, just you're like both thoughts, you know. Remember, it's your, it's your answers that make the show. But I, I do appreciate that. Uh-huh, um, uh-huh. Always like to put time into my work, you know. Um, so look, uh, let's get into battle royale very quickly just before I let you go. Um, G two, I think, 
I think it's best to describe your relationship with Battle Royale games, particularly uh, PUBG and Fortnite, as being um, standoffish, you know, very delicate. You didn't fully commit like some other orgs and brands have. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah, you were kind of wait, waiting to see what the you know market did. And I think, you know, honestly, I, I think you've been sort of vindicated uh, in the sense that PUBG right now seems to be having a lot of problems in terms of overall viewership, overall monetization, saturation of other BR games. Um, a lot of people have this perception it's missed its window. And there was just some news right now that um, they're actually backing off um, of trying to get approval from the Chinese government, which yes. we know is a huge yes. market. So that all of that doesn't bode particularly well. And then with Fortnite, Epic Games have kind of come out and said, look, honestly, we're going to put money into an esports scene, but we're never going to do esports things. We're going to yep. put new items in the night before a tournament, and people are just going to have to deal with it. We're not going to be a traditional esports in that sense. Um, so what do you think about Battle Royale games? I mean, Apex already seems, Apex Legends already seems to be dropping off pretty hard. Um, can they work as an esport, or do you think that genre in esports was just never meant to be based on your experience? Mm -hmm. So one, one, one thing, it's a great question, actually. But uh, one, one of the things that I think um, when looking at games that succeed is that things happen because people demand things to happen. Mm -hmm. If you take, how do you call this? One of these things, um, like when you're, when you're making some cake and you put something like a funnel. Yeah, if you take like a funnel yeah. and put it in your, in your mouth, and just rah, 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 play my game, play my game, watch my game, watch my game. I mean, I guess you can have some viewership. You can artificially boost the lifespan of a game. You can make some insane production quality. You can make everybody pay insane amount of money um, for a period of time to boost that production quality and create a perception of it being incredibly great. Mm. You can do that. But what are the real winners? The people's choice. You don't have to tell them anything. They just demand the tournaments. You don't have to tell them anything. They just want to create their own grassroots tournaments. You know, that's what the community starts. When something starts from the community, it's bound to last for a long time. And I don't think that's going to be the case with any of these BR games. Everybody that's come in touch with the BR games have come in touch out of, I mean, many people have come in touch out of FOMO, out of fear of missing out. All yeah. these tournament organizers, or many of these tournament organizers have created tournaments because shit, I, I mean, this shit has played by, by everybody. I guess we have to create something. And then it fucking sacked. Spectator yeah. mode fucking sacked, which tells you from day one that the publisher is not intending whatsoever to make that a, a viewable experience. Um, and, and on top of that, you have an incredibly complicated um, um, product from a logistics perspective and production perspective. Mm. It's incredibly complicated, okay? Found and, and, that out <laughs> firsthand. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, very complicated. I bet. Um, so so my, my, my thinking with all of this is don't follow the fear of missing out. Follow your gut. And from what you read in the forums, from what you read in your mentions on Twitter, from what you breathe from the community, and then take a decision, right? And that's why we didn't go all in with any of these games. Uh, that's, the only right, that's the only way, because I just didn't feel like the market was demanding esports in these titles. Um, and many others we're not a part of. So uh, when the market doesn't, when the, when the, uh, Jacobo, ¿cómo se dice pueblo en inglés? Pueblo? 
when the village doesn't, when the when the town doesn't demand um, uh, something, right. chances are the town is not requesting it. <laughs> chances are the town is not interested in it. You know? Right, right. I see. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I I get what you're saying. So so and, and yeah, my my thought process with this is I think it can work, mm. but you have to. Um, you have to create an experience that doesn't exist because what exists, we already know it doesn't work. Mm-hmm. You have to create um, something that elevates the entertainment aspect of the game. And that may be related with what if you could, I mean, this is just me just brainstorming with you. What if you could communicate with the other teams in-game and tell them shit? You know, what if you, like, just add drama aspect to it. What if, you know, why does it have to be traditional esport team against team the way everybody understands. Why, why can it be maybe more reality TV? Like, I don't know, man. I, you know, maybe more WWE. Like, I don't know. I have no idea what the right answer is. I just know that whatever's existing right now doesn't fucking work. That's, that's what I know so far. Um, so that the games themselves are liked by everybody because the Hunger Games type of game, which is what Battle Royale is, Hunger yep. Games, uh, just shorter span, shorter game, um, and people love. You know, and, 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 and people like to be the last man standing. And from a gameplay perspective, that's great. And from a storyline perspective, if you create a good enough product that is viewable, it can also be great, but not what we currently have. Yeah. Um, look, so uh, we're, we're almost uh, up uh, bang on the, the time. I've actually not done and my damn, usual. That's perfect. Thing. Yeah, right. So look, um, there's so much more we could have got into. Uh, I definitely wanted to pick your brains about, you know, maybe Overwatch, and and, and we'll have to do that another time. Uh, so you know, saying, I'm yours, dude. I'm yours anytime. Well, uh, I'll I'll definitely get you back on for uh, an, a follow up at some point. Awesome. Um, but look, let's uh, let's end the interview with how I always do these things, which is basically, you know, what are you going to be doing next? What's in the pipeline for G2? Uh, what are you, you know, what do you want to draw attention to? for the G2 fans out there, or maybe even your own personal fans? Mm-hmm. Um, well, G2, G2 comes before Carlos, but I have very high ego, so why not? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, there's three reasons why G2 got built. Three attributes uh, that are sort of the foundation of G2. Number one is entertainment. Anything we do has to be for the purpose of, of entertainment to entertain anybody that comes in touch with the brand. Mm-hmm. Secondly is the ambition that we do everything with. Um, that includes graphic designers, right? that includes videographers, the commercial team, Jacobo right there taking care of literally everything. He's a four by four. Um, and that includes, of course, competitive success, right? Uh, so ambition is number two. And then number three is the empathy that we do everything with. So literally every time we come in touch with a fan, uh, you know, for us, one minute of conversation may be a lifetime memory for him, you know? And, and that's the way we engage everything. So. I would just live with these three things uh, so that people acknowledge that if they root for G2, they're rooting for these three things. And, and whatever it is they're looking at in our social media, look at it from the eyes of these guys are literally, honestly, I, I, I don't know if anybody here is high, but we sure as hell act like such thing. You know, I, I, I like that because everybody's just laughing at all times here. You know? So keep in mind, every time you see a tweet from us, you will see 35 people from the office just laughing their asses off. Uh, creating content and because now we have such a beautiful moment together i think it's the perfect moment to um, tell the people this is the jersey that our players are going to play with in msi if you want it d2esports.com slash shop yeah i mean i'll I'll also just add by the way i think you i think you make some of the best jerseys in esports thank you bro for real that's the team right there 
yeah no on, uh, when when you did the when you've done the ones that are like nationalized you know you did Spanish, oh you my did, god yeah. those are fucking great yeah those those are sick so um you've got a great marketing team no doubt about it <laughs> thank you bro thank well, you well look Carlos, uh, as always great to catch up great to talk to you i wish you thank every you, success uh and there you have it guys that is of course the legend of us a lot um you know former league of legends player transitioning to being a team owner um go and show g2 esports some love if you are so inclined uh and that's the end of the show so so thanks for tuning in. Thanks for enjoying this. And next week, we're going to get back into the Counter-Strike weeds. We're going to be interviewing yet another veteran Counter-Strike player. I'm not going to reveal who you'll have to see. Uh, so thanks for tuning in. Thanks to Carlos. Thanks to everyone involved. And we will see you next time.